0: Listener, production. Alrighty, are we ready? Yes. (gasps) Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis.
1: Hello, Gistners. Welcome back for another episode of Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to bring up and share at a dinner party. And you're wearing a fur coat right now uh, while faux. I'm wearing faux. <laughs> a singlet and a sarong. <laughs> faux, of course.
0: Yeah, we really are. Well, Adelaide had what was its coldest day in 40 years last week. Ew. It's been freezing Ew. here, which I love. I love the cold weather. And you are up in the very toppy, tippy top of Queensland. So, yes, you are literally sitting in a, like, little tank top, singlet right now and I am wearing like three layers including my outside faux fur coat that's how cold it is in my apartment right now and we're both so happy we're both so happy it's like when we go to restaurants Jacob loves the sun so much and I'm against the sun we always have to find a table outside that is covered Mm -hmm. half in shade and is half in the sun
1: Mm mm-hmm We're just a regular
0: odd couple.
1: (laughs) But we find a way to make it work somehow. We
0: need to have a sitcom where the poster is us standing with our arms crossed back to back like Mm -hmm. this guy, this girl, but somehow it works. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my whole relationship with Caleb. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. I want to tell you this funny thing I heard. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. What if? UFOs are just insufferable billionaires from other planets. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yeah, mm. that kind of adds up, doesn't it? Just space get space tourists. Thinking. Yeah. Okay. Let,
0: let me. That'll take us into breaking news because I've got some um, dick rocket uh, related breaking news for you. <gasps> Fab. Breaking news! A breaking news! I got the scoop, a X-ray, extra, read all about it. A breaking news! Doodly 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 doodly. It's coming down the wire. Okay, before we get into Dick Rocket related news, <laughs> Jacob and I have had a little chat, mm. and we've decided that we are both so narcissistic and self-involved. That breaking news, which is pretty much us just talking about ourselves and or (laughs) shit-related topics, has started to get a bit long. Mm -hmm. And a lot of you love it, which is good. We love that you love it. There are also a lot of skippers out there, a lot of people who just want to skip our nonsense and get to the part Mm -hmm. where we tell you just the gist of really cool stuff. Fair. Mm -hmm. Not offended. If you're a skipper, mwah, All power Mm -hmm. to you. Who cares about our nonsense lives? So, we're going to start putting the approximate time of when the story starts Mm -hmm. in the show notes
1: to make skipping that much easier for you all.
0: Yes, because I mean, here's the thing. It can never be the exact time because Jacob and I are also really terrible at recording ads. And they always tell us this ad has to be 30 seconds and sometimes it'll, we'll do 15 and other times we'll do a minute 20. <laughs> so we're not naturals at this. So, I mean, depending on what ad is in the show, it might be a little bit off, but we'll give you the approximate time code of where mm-hmm. the Just the Gist topic starts. So if you don't want to partake in our ridiculous narcissism, you can skip ahead.
1: I feel like this is you giving us even more license to be even more narcissistic yes. now. <laughs>
0: because now that I've told you, you can skip ahead, you just wait. I've got some gross medical things that I am getting. Go- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 I just think, you know, and to be honest, we we talk about ourselves a bit, but we also just talk about silly nonsense news stories in the week and whatever, and then it gets to us chatting about other things and, um. If you want to skip ahead, we're just going to make that a a little bit easier for you by giving you an approximate time to skip ahead too. All right. Happy skippers. You're welcome. welcome. Yeah. So look in the show notes if you you, you probably already have and you're not even hearing this because already this is too much. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Okay. So Dick Rocket related news. Mm -hmm. A few people got in touch. And you know how last week I was like, Jeff Bezos took up his brother and some rich lady and some rich kid. A few people yeah. got in touch with me to tell me that rich lady wasn't a rich lady, the old lady. Uh, so I hmm. thought it was like a kind of, you know, the movie Get Out. I thought it was like a get out situation where a really rich lady bid on some crazy thing and then got to go up in the mm. dick rocket. She kind of gave me that vibe. You know, mm-hmm. the rich white people in Get Out. Yeah, um, yeah. Great movie, by the way. Everyone should watch it if you haven't. So I just wrongly assumed that she was an entitled rich white lady who paid a gazillion dollars to go up in a dick rocket. Mm. But actually, no, her name is Wally Funk. She's 82 years old and she was part of the very first group of women to train with NASA back in the 60s. They had a group of like, uh, I think it was like 12 or 13 women who trained along with all the male Astronauts, because they wanted to like trial to see, like, oh, do you think, you know, if they don't get their period, mm-hmm. they could do okay in space? So she went through all this training back then, but then they decided. Mm, but what if they get their periods? And so they didn't, they refused to send any women. So she did all the training and then she went on to be this amazing pilot. And she's like a, f- like she's trained other pilots and she's done all this stuff. And so now at age 82, she was invited as uh, Dick Rockets honored guest mm. to go up in the Dick Rocket to space. But what I love is that she kind of sassed it afterwards
1: and said it was lame. Well, I was going to say she deserved a heck of a lot better than yeah, that. Yeah,
0: I know. But, I mean, you know, if she got a chance to finally go to space, but afterwards but at her press with
1: Jeff Bezos? Ugh. I know.
0: So, at his press conference, he was like, it was the best thing in the whole world. It changed my life. My perspective will never be the same. I'm officially an astronaut, blah, blah, blah. By the way, um, the official, like- people who decide what an astronaut is came mm. out and said that these people aren't allowed to call themselves astronauts because <laughs> the definition of astronaut is like, while you're up there, you need to do something that contributes to <laughs> like, you know, Instead I don't know. There's some definitions around. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they, they did not pass muster, but so he acted like it was the best thing in the world. She, you know, did some press afterwards and she was kind of just like, look, It wasn't really space. (laughs) Like she said, (laughs) she said we saw a bit of blackness and we could see the edge of the atmosphere. I was hoping I'd be able to see the earth as a whole, but no, we kind of just saw a corner of the earth. Like they weren't high enough to just see around earth, which you can from the International Space Station you can, and that was four times more distance than what they went. Um, So she said, yeah, like we saw a bit of blackness, a bit of the atmosphere. We couldn't really move a lot because it's really small up there. Mm. So we were up there for about 10 minutes, played around with like weightlessness and then came back. So she was, she was underwhelmed.
1: (laughs) Right. Sounds like it was really worth the carbon emissions and the massive Uh expense in terms of dollars. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Yes, I apologize for assuming she was a scary rich white lady from a horror movie. No, she was a very accomplished astronaut trainee of her time who was denied the right to go into space because of, you know, period related issues that NASA men didn't (laughs) understand and then went on to have a pretty illustrious brilliant career as a pilot and stuff Mm. and you know she got this chance and I just love that she kind of sassed it afterwards and went yeah I did it because I mean I'm not gonna say no but it wasn't space (laughs) 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 no offense no offense Jeffy
1: (laughs) oh what a Uh, great way to emasculate him like this was his chance to prove how Big he can swing. and oh, bless. Yeah, just a bit of a dud, says the lady who was involved.
0: Bit of a dud. Oh, I bet it's not the first time he's heard that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> apparently, though, it's like people are crazy over it. Like, uh, what's his name? Richard Branson. He's had got like something like 450 bookings and each of those costs like $300,000. Mm. And apparently Jeff Bezos is into like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of ticket sales for his program. And uh, my favourite person, Elon Musk, hasn't even done his one yet. So there's money to be made there.
1: There is so much to hate about this world right now.
0: I know. It's I so really wrong. know. Uh. You know what's to love about this world right now? Mm-hmm. Another great headline is my sister Rhiannon, Nurse Rhiannon, she's getting a little bit famous. Mm. Like whenever she's giving, like people recognize her when she's giving them vaccinations. Get out.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
0: like she said, she's had a few people. She goes, Rosie, do you know that thing like where you you feel like someone's looking at you like they've recognized mm. you but you're not sure if they have and but then you feel like, too much of a dickhead to like be like, uh, are you? Are you wondering who I am? <laughs> <laughs> like, and she goes, I can tell some people are looking at me, and she and um and she doesn't mind at all. She thinks it's really lovely. She's had a few people when she's been giving them their vaccination go are you Rhiannon? <laughs> are you Rosie's sister? And she's like, yeah. And she, you know, she likes it. She thinks it's awesome. <gasps> That's um, she's good, really she's so shy. I know oh. she's really flattered. So please don't be embarrassed to say hello to her. Cause you know, she's working really hard vaccine people and testing people. And, um, and I've had a few people message me saying like, Oh, I was at the Homebush center or I was at her other, this clinic called Belmore Medical, and they're like, and I saw her, but I was too scared to say hello. I was like, no, say hello. Mm, She'd love it. It's I think it's really sweet. So I love that she's getting a little bit famous.
1: <laughs> that is really cute.
0: For keeping everyone vaxxed and safe.
1: Yeah, she's the only person that I'm really, really, really excited to see when I get back to Sydney because my Botox really needs to top (laughs) (laughs) up.
0: Me too, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going back there until this outbreak has settled down and she can get back to her normal day-to-day stuff. Um, Yeah. And she'll be the first person that I'm making an appointment with, I can tell you that right now.
0: Tell me about it. Well, I mean, they're saying now Sydney might, if they keep aiming for zero transmissions, that might take until Christmas. Mm. So I think maybe they're going to have to switch from aiming for zero transmissions and maybe into just, I don't know what else. I don't really understand it. But they can't be in lo- lockdown until Christmas. Is It's too long. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully vaccinations will help by then.
1: Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, cannot speculate. And, you know, hopefully everyone just continues to follow the rules, the massive step backwards that happened down there because of that stupid protest on the weekend. (laughs) Such a display of idiocy. Mm. Um, We don't know what the impact of that is going to be, but we expect it's probably going to be significant. Yeah. Yeah sucks. Do your best to get a vaccination if you can and mm. follow the lockdown rules.
0: Follow the lockdown that's rules. That's the way out of this. Look out for each other. I mean, I think I am very much worried at the moment about the mental health implications at this point, like being in mm. lockdown for that long, particularly if you're alone, hearing that maybe it could last until Christmas. That's um that's tough. And yeah. I think if it, I, I I am not. Oh God, I'm sounding like I'm. I'm. I'm on the side of the protests. No, 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 no. I am not like anti-lockdown, but I am sort of pro. If we're going to be in lockdown for this long, we need to start really seriously thinking about people's mental health here. Like that is tough, and especially since Sydney isn't having a. Um, what do you call it? single people bubble, so you're not allowed to have a friend that you can see unless you're stooping them. Mm -hmm. They've got an intimate partner bubble but not a friend bubble. So, yeah, it's really tough for people. And I think um, just the idea of being in lockdown until the end of the year is going to be very significant hit for some people mentally. So if, you know, the government isn't supporting us the way we need to, then... Just look out for each other.
1: Yeah. Look out for each other and ask for help if you need it as well. Yeah. Because everyone has someone that they can lean on.
0: Always, always, Mm. always. And then I wanted to keep breaking news quick this week. So I've got one more thing, something that has cheered me up so much the last two weeks. Yeah. I cannot even tell you how much I love this television show. Mm. It has... Entered my top five favorite shows of all time, which is tough for me. Let That's me tell you. huge. Huge. <laughs> and I can't believe I put off watching it till now. I think I put off watching it because I thought it was just about sport. Mm. I love Ted Lasso. Oh. It is, Jacob, you will love it. Uh-huh. It is the most beautiful, pure, perfect, hilarious, lovely, wholesome, precious show I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh-huh. Okay. It is Perfection
1: I've heard it's really good and I had a bit of a false start with it Okay. It is
0: so good. How far did you get into it? I
1: think three episodes and then no, I didn't hate going. it, but I just wasn't loving it. Okay, it's a shits Creek situation. This is exactly it is. what it was like with shits for me.
0: Mm. And I think a lot of people are talking about it now because season two has just started. So a lot of people went back and watched season one again and uh-huh. um, season two's just dropped on, um, it's on Apple TV. But it's basically about this American, like small-time football coach. He coaches like a college football team, not a big one, just like a small one. Mm. And then he gets hired to train an English soccer team or what they call football. Mm. Um, and he has no idea about the rules of like English football. He's just a good coach. He's good at coaching people. And so it's like, you know, that very fish out of water situation where like the slack kind of American is stuck with all the, you know, brits uh-huh uh-huh and um, it's just so great uh-huh and what's really great about is it is it about it is it really embraces um the idea that there are different kinds of masculinity which you and I've talked about all the time that toxic mm. masculinity is dangerous and terrible and there should be more examples for men to see that show them that there are lots of different ways to be a man mm. and There are lots of different ways to display masculinity. And it is just about this guy who's really in touch with his emotions. He's really in touch with his sensitive side. He encourages the men on his football team that he's coaching to also really be in touch with their emotions and their sensitive side and to show love and support and affection for one Mm. another in a way like to not be embarrassed of of embracing that side of themselves as men. And it's just funny. It's really funny. Cool. And I put off watching it for so long because I thought it was a Sport show and I was just like I'm not going to care about that mm. but Caleb hates TV and so I'm always trying to find thing unless it's SBS food or like <laughs> the
1: news gardening <laughs> <God> Australia
0: <laughs> yeah he loves Rick Stein this guy on SBS but I'm always trying to find shows that we can watch together and I thought well maybe he'll like this because he likes it. and he
1: loves it mm. okay I'm gonna start again
0: it's really good, everyone. And it's just a really beautiful, wholesome show. It's not, you know how so much TV now, prestige TV is all about dark twists and mm. a big murder trying to be solved and a lot of gratuitous violence against pretty women, mm. mysteries, darkness, intrigue. And this is just like a funny football coach trying to p- coach a team. Mm. And Caleb was like, it's a bit predictable. And I was like, but that's what's lovely about it. Mm. Like, you can tell what's going to happen. You know where it's going. But it's just really well-written, lovely show that makes you feel nice in what are some particularly shitty times right now.
1: Sounds comforting. Okay, I'm on board. It
0: is. Great. Ted Lasso, watch it. And that's all my breaking news. I thought I'd keep it short and sweet.
1: Do-do-do-do-do. do
0: do Do-do-do-do-do. Hello and welcome, skippers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks we for
1: joining We just talked us. about some
0: awesome stuff, <laughs> not that
1: you would know. <laughs> there were dick rockets.
0: There were dick rockets and I gave the coordinates for a treasure hunt that we've kicked off with a really big <laughs> prize at the end that I guess you just won't know about now. Oh, I, I just... I, like, heard some, like, crazy true gossip about some reality TV stars that I just totally spilled the beans on and I named names.
1: <laughs> but it's um, too late to go back and listen now. It's Sorry. too late to go back and listen. You've skipped. You've skipped.
0: You, you made your choice. Okay, <laughs> Jacob, it's your story this week?
1: I'm serving this week a disaster story.
0: Wee mm. oui. And it
1: is a really disgusting example of destruction in the name of dollars. Usually, though, when people speak about it, they speak about it as, like, this little quirky, bittersweet event because of the fact that the destructive force that demolished most of a neighbourhood was this seemingly harmless derivative of sugarcane. But 21 people died, hundreds more were injured, thousands of people were directly impacted by... The Great Boston Molasses Flood of nineteen nineteen. <gasps> oh, mm. is
0: molasses like, like um, what you put on, like, like what you put on pancakes, like you, the consistency? What yes. Do you call
1: it? Yeah, golden syrup or maple syrup. syrup. Yeah. yeah. Um, golden syrup's a really good um, comparison for Australians. For UK listeners, um, treacle is probably what you would call it. Mm-hmm. And in the US, mm-hmm. they call it molasses. Um, basically, when they're taking sugarcane, they squish the sugar cane to get the juice out of it. They boil it up, and then what turns into crystals becomes crystallised sugar. What's left over is the syrup, which we call golden Mm. syrup here, they call golden treacle in the UK and Americans call molasses. And it seems innocuous and harmless, but it killed a lot of people.
0: But it... What? Okay.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a joke it does and a lot of people make jokes about this well you're gonna find out all of the details oh
0: okay okay. because yeah
1: it's pretty mind-blowing and i have to say i was trying to come up with a cute name for this and i thought i'd come up with something really good but then i found someone had already used it in an article so i have to give them credit that this should be called the great boston molassica (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> okay, tell All me. Right.
1: So I'll start with what happened and then yeah. I'll break down why it happened and how it happened. Okay. The facts are January 15th, 1919, pretty quiet winter Wednesday in the North End area of Boston, shortly uh-huh. after midday picture a policeman who was out on patrol he was making a call back to his station just to check in using a public phone booth while he was on the line he as well as thousands of other people around the city heard a few very dramatic alarming sounds in rapid succession first there was a deafening loud crash like thunder Then they heard what sounded like bullets firing out of a machine gun and ricocheting (gasps) off the buildings. Then they heard a deep, terrifying, rumbling growl. And this all happened very quickly. The policeman turned in the direction of the noises and said into the phone, send all emergency personnel to Commercial Street. There's a giant wave of molasses. (gasps) And he dropped the phone and he ran for his life because...
0: I was literally about to crack a joke and go, oh, when you said he turned around and I was going to be like, and there was a giant wave of molasses. No, that's what Mm -hmm, it was?
1: mm Mm-hmm. Yes. The enormous molasses tank that had been in the North End for the last four years had exploded and (gasps) its contents were on the move. Now... When I say tank, you might be picturing something kind of like a domestic water tank. But no, 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 no. This tank was in a totally different stratosphere. It was enormous. It's a little bit difficult to imagine. Like a
0: dam, maybe, like that
1: big. So huge. It was 15 metres tall, which is about the height of a five-storey building. It was so tall that when it was being constructed, one of the workers who was working making the the lid, the roof of it, he yeah. fell and landed in the bottom of the tank and he died on impact. That's how Ooh. tall it was. But
0: he wished the molasses was in there then.
1: That would have caught him, but then he would have <laughs> drowned in it and <laughs> that Ooh, might have been a worse way to go. Um, She was girthy as well. The diameter was around like 30 metres. So the easiest way to picture this thing that I've worked out, if you imagine three Olympic-sized swimming pools, 50 metres by 25 Uh metres, three of those, if you could cut those pools in half and then stack all six of those halves on top of each other and then add another half of an Olympic pool on top, (gasps) that's what we're talking about here. And why
0: is is this, is it a molasses uh, factory or something? Is that why? Why do they have this much molasses?
1: <laughs> it's part of a supply chain and I'll get into all of okay. that in a moment. All right. Because I had the same question, like how much molasses are these people Does one eating?
0: town need? Right. So in this town, there is just this giant seven times Olympic size swimming pool tank filled with Sticky molasses Yes
1: 9 million litres of it <gasps> Weighing 11 million kilograms
0: And we just got the disaster movie moment Like in um, Deep Impact or Armageddon Where they're standing on the beach And the big wave comes mm-hmm. Or like in Independence Day When everyone's like turns around And sees the fire coming That yep. happened to the policeman
1: Uh-huh But he had the presence of mind to run Thankfully and yeah. he was right to run because the molasses tsunami was moving at around 55 kilometers an hour.
0: Oh, <gasps> that's fast. That
1: is fast. Yes, it is fast. And most it going people going really run. slow. Yeah, because it's syrup, it's goopy, thick yeah. syrup, but
0: I thought this was like another killdozer. like it's it's Mm-mm. destructive but it goes slow.
1: Yeah. So even though when you're like pouring molasses or golden syrup, especially if it's cold, it's going to move quite slowly. Or mm. well, like because- honey. Yeah, because this molasses had A, been heated up, which meant that it was runnier, and B, was, um, thanks to the force of gravity, was being pushed in that way to sort of spread out. It was moving as fast as molasses (sighs) possibly could and faster than most people can run. So the cop didn't completely outrun it the wave by the way at its peak it was about five meters tall so like stuff two and a half me's yeah and it was going
0: out a five meter tall wave of honey Mm -hmm. coming at you is basically what it is
1: yeah and going out in 360 degrees as well destroying everything Everything.
0: Oh, so starting in the middle and going out in a circle.
1: That's right, because the entire oh. tank
0: collapsed
1: and it just went out in a constant radius.
0: Like when you see a bomb go off and it exactly. spreads out from the middle.
1: Yep, that's right. But
0: it's a very tasty, tasty bomb.
1: Mm-hmm. It <laughs> ripped a three-storey fire station off its foundation. <gasps> smashed the top two stories into wood chips and pushed it all the way to the edge of the harbour. No. It knocked down a big chunk of the elevated railroad just seconds after a train had passed by on the tracks. And, (gasps) you know, that elevated mail road, that was made out of steel girders, and they were just crumpled like they were plastic straws. Oh, it my God. picked up cars and trucks and smashed them into buildings and then knocked the buildings right down. It
0: okay, so I'm assuming that a lot of people are dying. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: I kind of gave it away up top. Yes, 21 people died. The a melastica. lot of people um, were injured. <gasps> mm. Oh,
0: my God. Because if it's destroying buildings and cars, mm-hmm. what? how are you going to... Yep. Oh, my goodness. If you
1: couldn't get away from it, you were going to end up in a bad way. It flooded every basement and cellar for blocks and blocks. <gasps> Anyone who was on the street and couldn't move fast enough was basically just swallowed up by the wave and taken with it, and they were crushed and or suffocated to death.
0: Because it's not like water. Like, at least, mm. you know, if you survive the initial um, hit, impact of a, of a big wave... Mm. You at least then just kind of get swept along with it. But yep. this is like water that is sticky and I imagine is difficult. Like you can't tread water and goo.
1: Exactly, yeah. And as soon as it gets into your nostrils and into your mouth, it's You're very effed. difficult to get <gasps> out. So What an
0: awful, like, comic sounding but go. horrendous way to go. Mm. Oh, no. Yeah. And what year was this again?
1: 1919.
0: 1919,
1: okay. Yeah. So okay. this is in the middle of the Spanish flu, which you've done a fantastic mm-hmm. episode on, and after World War One. But we'll get into mm-hmm. that context and why it's relevant in a little bit. It wasn't just people that were outside as well. It was people who were inside their homes or their workplaces Ooh, yeah. because walls were knocked down and rooms were just suddenly engulfed with molasses smothering people.
0: just so bizarre.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. And it took about 25 minutes for the (gasps) molasses' spread to slow down. In that time, the damage that it did was incredible. The north end looked like it had been air bombed. Everything was pulverised. And when rescuers got to the scene, they really didn't know where to begin because it looked and sounded like a war zone. There were hundreds mm. of injured people crying out for help, as well as dozens of horses that were stuck in the molasses. Oh, no. oh that's like from the never-ending story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And so they wanted to get in there and help them, but that meant wading into molasses and potentially getting stuck yourself because at this point the consistency of the molasses was only getting thicker and thicker because in the winter air it was getting cooler and it was congealing.
0: Yes, I, ha- I did have a question about that. Mm. Is this a, like, Pompeii-like situation Like, which is that famous volcano Mm. that went off on that town thousands of years ago. And then they found all these people frozen in the position they got stuck in the lava in. (laughs) Like, does this molasses, do you get stuck in it and then it kind of goes hard like rock and then you're stuck?
1: Certain little areas did sort of crystallise, but no, for the most part, it kind of congeals. So it's still just sort of like soft and...
0: Still tacky. sticky, heavier, but not rock. It's not like toffee. It doesn't go rock hard. That's right. If you yep. leave it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're not getting horrifying people frozen in rock hard toffee. No. Like the mosquito in Jurassic Park.
1: Unless they're out there somewhere and they just haven't been discovered yet. Oh, Maybe there's no. a basement that hasn't been cleared out in the last 102 years.
0: Oh, God. Okay. Oh, God.
1: Okay. Um, <sighs> Eventually the rescue crew just sort of went, okay, we're going to have to just do our best. And they got in there trying to help survivors and find the bodies of the dead. And there were some very, very lucky stories of survival. One of my favourites was a guy named Martin. He'd been in bed asleep at the time of the explosion. He owned a yeah. nightclub, so he sort of lived a nocturnal lifestyle. Yeah. He, he'd been woken up by his sister's scream when the wave started to approach them. And as he sat up in bed, the molasses wave broke down the wall of his bedroom, flooded (sighs) his room, knocked him off his bed, pushed him out the other side of the house where it knocked down the other wall. And he was just sort of pummeled around inside the wave. But luckily for him, he sort of stayed near the surface and managed to find something to grip onto, which Mm. turned out to be his own Bed frame. So he climbed onto it and just sort of floated down the street on top of the molasses, thinking, uh, what am I going to do yeah. here? How do I get out of this mess? And then somehow through pure luck, he managed to find his sister in the molasses and pull her out onto oh, the bed frame wow. with him. He helped to clear out her airways using his own mouth. And then they just sort of hung there and waited until people could get to them.
0: Oh my goodness. Mm.
1: Um, They were very, very fortunate. There's a story that um, is pretty tragic about people that were far less fortunate. At the fire station, the one that was ripped off its foundations and crushed, there were four men inside on the ground floor playing cards. They were all badly injured, obvious reasons. One of the firemen was pinned under a billiard table. And mm. the others tried to help, but they were too injured to be able to lift the billiard table off him. Obviously, very, very heavy. Yeah. And there was just nothing that they could do to save him as the level of molasses inside <gasps> just rose and rose oh and rose gosh. until it covered his head completely and drowned him. <gasps> really, really, what really a sad.
0: Horrifying way to die. For, it's just. Worse than water. Yeah. Like, for I don't know why. Maybe it's not, but it seems like it would be worse than water. Mm. Yeah. It's like drowning in glue. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so weird.
1: And it was so horrible for his friends to watch that happen, and they were just powerless (gasps) to stop it. Oh, no. Unable to lift the billiard table off him, and so they were there while it happened.
0: Probably more horrible for him, but still.
1: Mm. Oh, Ready for God. a really tragic story though Yeah,
0: I want I want to hear the worst ones
1: So there were three young kids right near the tank Two of them oh, were no. 10, one of them was 12 And their parents oh, no. had sent them down to steal off cuts of wood for their fire mm-hmm. That was something that <gasps> they would just regularly do
0: Crime doesn't pay
1: Mm-mm One of the kids' fathers was watching them through their apartment window to sort of supervise them and then to his horror, he saw the tank disintegrate and he watched the wave of molasses wipe out all of the kids. Oh, no. Miraculously, the 12-year-old survived, but he had a badly fractured skull. Um, Mm. The two 10-year-olds were killed on impact and the father watched it happen. And then they couldn't find his son's body for days.
0: Because it was swept away by the wave. Wow.
1: Yeah. And then the horses. Dozens and dozens of horses. They were out on the street, and of course, they were tied up and just trapped in place when the (gasps) wave came along. Oh, they
0: couldn't get away.
1: Yeah. And so wow. a lot of them survived the initial impact but had mm. terrible injuries and then they were stuck in molasses, a As lot of them rose lying and rose on and their rose. side. So oh. the ones that were still alive when the police got there, they were in such a bad way that the police had no choice but to end their suffering mm. with their pistols. So yeah. it was a bad day all round.
0: Yeah. sounds. It doesn't sound pleasant. Mm-mm. And I love how we're like, yes, the tragic death of two ten year olds. But they're the horses. <laughs> it's <always> the
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm. Oh God. Sorry, sorry, guy. Just humor uh, humor is my coping mechanism for dark things. Apologies. Apologies. Or <laughs> also okay. you're
1: welcome, we broke the tension for you right there. Yeah. There you mm. go. Okay, so in answer to your question, why was why? there a tank filled with 9 million litres of molasses in a densely populated city? Like, how much gingerbread were these people making? Yeah. Turns out the molasses in the tank wasn't intended to be used in food at all. It was intended to be fermented into alcohol at a distillery in Cambridge. Those boozers. Well, it wasn't booze for drinking initially. The tank was owned by a company called United States Industrial Alcohol, which I'll call USIA. Uh. In 1914, World War I broke out in Europe and USIA decided they could capitalise on the opportunity that that war presented by really ramping up their production of industrial ethanol that they uh. could sell to other companies to make gunpowder for bombs and grenades and whatnot.
0: Ah, see, that's right. We all forget that alcohol is extremely poisonous and we probably shouldn't put it in our bodies. Bingo. <laughs> okay. Mm. All right, so they were making they were they had the molasses to turn into alcohol to make weapons.
1: Basically, yep. Okay. Uh, America wasn't in the war yet. They were just providing Mm. the weaponry and a lot of it. The amount of munitions that the US was making and selling to the Allied nations managed to pull the US out of a two-year recession.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: this giant tank was part of the logistics chain to make bombs, basically. So the molasses would be made in the tropics, Cuba, Puerto Rico, whatever. And then it would come via boat to Boston. It'd be pumped out of the boats into the storage tank. And Uh the storage tank was right next to the train line. So then bit by bit, day by day, Uh, they'd pour it into drums, put the drums on the trains, send the trains to Cambridge and make the alcohol bit by yeah. bit. Okay. Which okay. worked really well for them for a few years. Yep. Year after year they had double digit growth, but then after the war ended in 1918, the demand for gunpowder went through the floor. So the, So
0: they're just stuck with this big tank of molasses
1: that no one wants. Or they would have been, but then they decided that there was another opportunity in front of them which was to use the molasses to make rum. So for the uh-huh. first time they went into drink into making drinkable consumable alcohol Uh by creating rum, which was fine, but it was also becoming very, very clear that prohibition laws were going to be introduced in the United States in 1920. So that meant they only had a small window to make Uh. rum before the production sale or consumption of alcohol was made Illegal.
0: Yeah, okay. So
1: that's why they pumped the tank as full as they possibly could so they could make as much alcohol as they were able before the new laws came in.
0: Yeah, okay. Gotcha.
1: But then how did the tank explode? Yeah. The real question is why didn't it explode sooner than it did? Because it was really, really shoddily made. The whole project had been a rush job from the beginning. The fact that it didn't erupt sooner is what's surprising. It was very poorly designed by someone who had no business designing tanks of any kind, certainly not immense ones like this monster. And then the was it a
0: man who just said he was good at building tanks? Yep.
1: hmm <laughs> Had n- no experience surprised. in the field. And then the guy was, who approved it. Was the a- tank
0: in the shape of a dick?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> kind of conical on the top, maybe. Was, uh, very chody, if it was. Yeah. Um, okay. The build was approved by an accountant. No one with engineering experience even looked at the plans and there was no government oversight either because the tank was classified as a receptacle and the government only got involved if you were talking about a building (sighs) or a bridge. So the plans just weren't reviewed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then keeping in mind the design was bad, the construction was worse. The mm-hmm. steel that they used to make the walls of the tank was only half as thick as it should have been and the steel itself was very brittle. Similar to the steel they used on the Titanic, there wasn't mm-hmm. enough manganese in it, so it was like nowhere near as strong as it should have been and the rivets weren't spaced out correctly. So you know what I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, the sound of machine gun fire? That, that was, was the rivets the popping of out. sound the rivets, yeah. Yeah. They also hadn't even bothered to test that the tank was watertight before they filled it with molasses. Of
0: course.
1: They (laughs) were supposed to do that as a test, but they just skipped that bit and Mm -hmm, went mm -hmm, right ahead mm -hmm. and pumped it to the brim with molasses a few days after it was built. And from day one, it was obvious it couldn't sustain the pressure of what was inside it. From The first moment that it was full, it constantly made these eerie, ominous, creaky, groaning noises. And it leaked nonstop from the vertical seams and the horizontal seams in the metal sheets. Molasses seeped out and dripped down the side of the tank. Locals would sneak up to it with empty tin cans and just Mm. scoop up the molasses constantly flowing down the side of the tank. And it only kept getting worse over the years because every time it was filled and emptied, the joints got more stressed and it was clear it was deteriorating. So the tank supervisor, a guy called Isaac Gonzalez, kept asking the USIA for help. He was the one who was there on the ground every day facilitating the input and the output, blah, blah, blah. He could see potential catastrophe was ahead because the tank was going to burst. And if it burst when it was full...
0: These stories always go there – is, there is never no warning. There mm-hmm. is always someone or several people who aren't high enough on the food chain who are the ones saying something bad's going to happen, something bad's going to happen. This happened at Chernobyl, which uh-huh. I've been prepping an episode on. Like there is always – it happened with Titanic. There is always someone saying – This is bad. Something's gonna happen happened with Challenger, which Mm -hmm. we have done an episode on. Mm -hmm. And they always get ignored by people at the top. And it's always for reasons of ego or money.
1: Yep. That's right. Or both. And it was both in this case because they were arrogant enough to believe that nothing bad was going to happen because it was just molasses. Um, He was always just brushed off, told to just focus on doing Mm -hmm. his job, but the situation caused him so much anxiety that he would get up in the middle of the night and walk down to check on the tank at around Mm -hmm. two in the morning Because he believed he'd be able to recognise when the tank was ready to blow and he could somehow raise an alarm to warn people. Mm. While he was there, he would open a valve and dump molasses into the harbour because he thought if there's less molasses, it'll be less damage when it happens.
0: imagine how, like... His blood pressure <laughs> would have yeah. just been so high for so long, yep. stressing about that.
1: He reached a point where he ended up sleeping in his office on the site because his wife didn't oh like him God. leaving in the middle of the night and coming back. So he just started and no one sleeping would listen there. To him that's right and then he reached breaking point finally when he'd organized a meeting with his boss's boss's boss so mm-hmm. that he could finally get some solution very dramatically he took in chips of the steel off the tank that were was fragmenting as a prop mm. And explained the whole situation and the guy told him, okay, we'll get it sorted out. And the solution that they ended up coming up with was painting the tank that was once a light (laughs) grey colour. They painted it a deep brown, the colour of molasses, so no one could see the leaks anymore.
0: (gasps) So he went to them and said... The tank is falling apart. I'm literally holding pieces Mm -hmm. of the tank in my hands. Mm -hmm. That is how much it's falling apart. And they said, "Mm, no, what we'll do is we won't fix it. We'll just make it harder to know it's broken.
1: That's right. Yes. Because... (sighs) That's the one detail that the boss's boss's boss fixated yeah. on when he explained that you could see the thing was leaking from miles away because of the streaks of molasses on the side of it. Oh,
0: my God. That's the
1: problem they chose to fix. So, when that happened, when the paint job went ahead, Isaac quit, thankfully. Yeah. And he went and joined the army during wartime. He saw the Mm. army during wartime as being less stressful and less (laughs) life-threatening than working next to this ticking time bomb of a tank. So all that is to say the tank was just rubbish from the start and USIA were totally negligent. They barely even tried to fix it because dollars and ego. Yeah. Now, on the day that the tank inevitably Popped its seams. It was, as I said, completely full. It Mm. took a few days to fill it up, and the stuff that they filled it up with was heated on the boat so that it moved more freely through the pipe. So the stuff that was being pumped in was a lot warmer than the cold molasses that had already been sitting there. And the chemical reaction that that caused started to Mm. instigate a bit of fermentation in the tank. And that fermentation caused the production of a fair bit of gas. Now, question for you. Mm. Have you ever tried making your own alcohol? No. (laughs) Okay. I'm not in
0: prison with a toilet.
1: (laughs) We don't need to now, thankfully, but when I did try it, it definitely didn't go smoothly. I was very young and naive. We've confessed in the past that we were both victims of the Wicca witchcraft phase in the late 90s.
0: Who was it? My...
1: My coven and I planned a ceremony <laughs> which re- required mead, which is a fermented uh, yeah, honey yeah, based yeah. alcoholic drink. So I volunteered to be the mead wench because it seemed simple enough. You just mix honey and water and yeast. And I went ahead and put it in a sealed glass bottle for a few days in the pantry. And as the yeast ate the honey in the bottle, the yeast farted out carbon dioxide, which had nowhere to go. So the pressure built up and up. And I can vividly remember being in the lounge room hearing (laughs) what sounded like a gunshot coming from the kitchen. And I went to check out what had happened and the entire top part of the bottle had just blown off and the mead (laughs) bottle had become a mead bomb. Everything in the pantry was covered in this sticky, yeasty honey water and my parents were displeased.
0: So, Jacob, are you telling me that this molasses tank explosion is basically the result of a giant fart?
1: Many, 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 many millions of little farts coming together to form a giant (laughs) fart. Yes. Oh,
0: Mm -hmm. my goodness. The molasses tank farted.
1: The pressure built up and had nowhere (gasps) to go. They hadn't opened up the valves on it because they weren't thinking about the gas production. Oh, no. And they were just so used to the tank groaning and creaking as it expanded, Um, but this was its final moment it gave out, released all the molasses to just go and pulverize a chunk of Boston with as well, we heard. they
0: do say often people, animals, etc, the moment they die, let out a big fart that is sometimes a big poop. So maybe that was just like this tanks, you know, final, <laughs> it's final expulsion of <laughs> whatever <laughs>
1: could be. and um yeah, it made it memorable. that's for sure. It wow, went out okay. with a big bang. Yep. Interesting as well. So all of the sides of the tank just blew out at the same yeah. time. The lid, the roof, like in a cartoon, was lifted up into the air and then oh, just yeah. landed perfectly in place where it was. <laughs> so when you look at photos, you it's just like the entire body of the thing disappeared like a magic trick and now the wow. lid was just sitting there.
0: So, I have a question. Yeah. Molasses. It, it, I, I have a question, re cleanup. Because, yeah. I mean, is this like oil? Like, ha- is it like when you're cleaning a Tupperware container that's had oil in it and it's just impossible for it to never feel slippery or weird mm-hmm. again? Like, what kind of p- products, how do they get rid of it?
1: They tried normal water for a while. They tried using fire. They tried scooping it. Um, In the end, the thing that turned out to be most effective was for large pools of it, they'd chuck sand in there. So then that would make it more solid to scoop it up. And seawater. Seawater was effective in dissolving it, whereas fresh water was not. And it took months and months and months to clean (sighs) all of this up, as you can imagine. And, I mean, for years, there was still molasses showing up all over the place. And oh my god. Not just in the North End people would get it stuck to their shoes in the North End and then they'd traipse it with them to other parts of the city. So it's said that all of Boston was just sticky and stinky for years. Ew. Mm. Yeah. It was very difficult and lengthy to clean everything up and as they went they were finding more and more bodies as well. One oh of the bodies wasn't found until 4 months after <gasps> the day of the disaster. Yeah. On day one, they knew the death toll was five. Within mm. a few days, that had jumped to 10. And then over the course of months, more and more people died because of their injuries. And they ended up with the final death toll of 21 by December when the final oh, It's amazing
0: died. it's not more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really is through the luck of the fact that it was winter. Because had it happened in summer, there would have been heaps of people, mostly kids, obviously, in a park directly opposite oh, from where the tank no. was. Yeah. yeah. And when that was put to the USIA at trial as well, that was part of their defence. They were like, well, you know, it happened in winter, so not that many people <laughs> died. <laughs> they saw yeah, that as something they could tot- hide behind. Yeah,
0: which the- they totally planned mm, on, yeah. Yeah, they
1: were in full control <laughs> of that. A lot of the people who did survive, though, were just never the same again. They experienced Mm. shell shock like soldiers who'd just come Mm. back from the war. The trauma was ridiculous and the injuries were horrific. And of the bodies that they found as well, there was one woman who had been picked up by the wave and she'd collided with something with such force, it had ripped her entire jaw (gasps) off. Several people were missing limbs. Like, this was intense
0: and how difficult to have gone through something so horrific and you know clearly have really intense PTSD for what I assume is the rest of their lives because no one had therapy back then but everybody kind of just thinks it's funny
1: Mm. yeah because it's got that quirky nature because it's molasses it's just molasses golden syrup yep
0: it's like, no, people's jaws were ripped off. Mm-hmm. Molasses is a murderer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been compared, and rightly so, to tornadoes. and Yeah,
0: lava, like a serious disaster that yeah. just wipes out.
1: Big time. Rightfully, obviously, People were furious and the culprit was clearly USIA. But, of course, they Mm. denied all responsibility and said that they believed that a bomb must have been set off inside the tank by an anarchist. Oh, please. Mm Mm-hmm. Not entirely implausible at the time, though, because anarchists had been making a number of threats targeting the USIA because they were involved mm. in the munitions production and anarchists are anti-war, and they had been planting bombs across the United States and in Europe as well. But So
0: you're anti-war, you're anti-war and you're anti this company helping to make bombs, so you bomb them.
1: Bomb them, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Probably a bomb that was made out of some kind of molasses that came from that very tank. (laughs) Idiots.
1: Yeah, they're anti-war, but they're certainly not Mm. anti-violence. There was no physical evidence of a bomb, but the USIA clung to their claim that this was a terrorist attack. They were not responsible and they were willing to fight tooth and nail for their name and reputation, and so the criminal and civil court cases began. Mm-hmm. The court case went for six Years. Mm. There were 120 plaintiffs versus the USIA. They brought in 3,000 witnesses. It was the longest trial in Massachusetts history. And then when the decision was finally reached that the USIA had been completely negligent and they were forced to pay compensation, that's the first time ever that a class action lawsuit against a major company had been successful.
0: Ah, oh, um, really?
1: A lot of law students learn about this case because it's got kind of a historic. Nature and it set the precedent for future cases like Aaron Brockovich.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Engineering and architecture students learn about this case as well because safety laws and regulations about building huge structures like this change Mm. significantly to help prevent anything like this happening again. And as a result, no company has ever, ever been negligent ever (laughs) since that very day. Oh,
0: that's a nice happy ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh uh, my. How much did they end up having to pay?
1: It was the equivalent of about 13 million Australian dollars in today's money. So, it was really it's just been A lot. It's a smack on the bottom. It's a gesture.
0: See, this is the thing like the thing with suing these companies isn't so much to like just get money for the victims. I mean, it is, but it is also to make them pay so much that it's not worth it for them to let it happen again, make Mm -hmm. it cost too much for them to ever let it happen again. Mm -hmm. Like that's why when, you know, they do the damages, they're like, yes, these victims, you know, could get by on a million dollars each or whatever, but we're going to try and get them $20 million each to punish the company. Mm -hmm. Make it cost so much that they don't let it happen again. But courts always seem to go with big corporations.
1: Mm. And this was the first time that they went against the corporation, but they didn't really punish them in a way that was going to cripple them or act as a major disincentive. And the amount that the individuals got as well was really not very much. So if you lost a loved one, the Mm -hmm. amount of money that you got was dependent on how long that person suffered. So, for example... Oh, what? I know. Take the kids, for example, that died instantly. Their families were paid like $6,000 at the time, then, which is about $100,000 today. The but people, then the guy
0: under the billiard table,
1: 7000 yeah.
0: Oh, uh, mm. uh, uh, what?
1: Yeah, kind of a messed up little system there.
0: But that's so, like, the woman whose jaw got ripped off, that would have been quick, but it would have hurt.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And her family has lost her, no matter how much she did or did not suffer. Yeah. The money was going to the families that have lost a loved one because of the negligence of that company. All of this could have been avoided,
0: Isn't except this stuff- for
1: laziness and arrogance.
0: The law is weird, like having to put dollar amounts on people's lives. Suffering, yeah. Yeah, and suffering. Mm. Strange.
1: If you're ever in Boston, you can go and visit the site. There is now a baseball... Court there with Field? A, uh, that, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> stage. Uh, there's yeah. a little plaque to immortalise the event and tour guides in Boston happily make dark jokes about the stickiest situation the city's ever been in. <laughs>
0: um, That's pretty funny.
1: And they spread this rumour that on warm days... You can still, smell, still molasses smell molasses in the air 102 <gasps> years later and some people swear that they can still smell the molasses Maybe you that can. killed all those people. Maybe. It is the
0: kind of thing that I reckon would last a long, 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 long time, you know mm. what I mean?
1: It certainly lingered, and, I mean, for months after as well, the Boston Harbour was a deep, dark brown colour because oh, of all the wow. molasses that was in there, yeah.
0: But it could have gone, like, fossilised, like I said, like in, you know, the, the, the amber in Jurassic Park. There might just be inside walls or crevices in the concrete just rock-hard molasses that mm. kicks off a smell on a hot day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you imagine as well the vermin infestation that summer? Ew, yeah. It would have attracted so many insects and rats and oh,
0: Wow, so
1: No wow. Me gusta. So that was just the gist of the Great <laughs> Boston Molassica even though I knew it was dark at the time, it wasn't until I was explaining it to you that I realised quite how dark it was. If you want more than the gist, the book that I would recommend that I read is called Dark Tide by mm-hmm. Stephen Paleo. He published that in 2003. It's very, very comprehensive. There's a lot yeah, of detail okay. he goes into. But you may the thing that I enjoyed the most about it was the fact he goes into lots of context about things that I don't or didn't really understand like prohibition laws and women's suffrage and uh, the yeah. Bolshevik revolution, etc. Okay. So that's, you know, if you're keen to understand a bit more about the history at the time, that's a good mm. spot. I'll also um, share some good articles in the show notes that had some really excellent pictures that really bring this to life as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm. I just feel like that was very good, but I feel like my brain is doing that thing where my head's just gonna explode because my brain just keeps going, that's funny. No, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. No, it's not Yeah, right. yeah. And my brain's going, uh I kinda what a way, intimate sticky situation. Uh dead children. Oh no <laughs> Like, I can't, my brain can't handle the the two sides of the, this this weird coin.
1: Yeah. Well, look, they say comedy is tragedy plus time and it's been 102 years. So That's true. So I feel like it's okay for us to be laughing darkly. Well,
0: at the broad at concept of what happened, mm, yes. Yeah. But I'm glad to have gotten just the gist on the fact that it's
1: actually pretty messed up. Yeah, yeah. All through greed. Just
0: always desperation Ego and money. to get
1: as much money as possible. And look, a lot of people can probably relate, especially if you're in a corporate environment, whatever mm. it is that you do for work, that frequently the orders come down from on high that are basically... Just get it done. I don't want to hear concerns. I don't want to hear problems. I don't want to hear about barriers. Just get it done by any means necessary. And that then keeps Mm. getting passed down the chain until, you know, it is the little guy, the Isaac Gonzalez, who's on the ground, Mm. who's trying to push back up the chain, but all he's getting is just the... Keep your nose no, down. Focus yeah. on doing your job. Don't make trouble. Leave
0: the yeah, leave it to us. Leave it to us. And like I said, it's throughout history, every time there's been a big disaster like this that has, you know, come from some kind of corporate entity, there were always warning signs. There mm. were always people along the way saying, hey, wait. Hey, Mm. but if we spend a little bit more money, if we take a little bit more time, and there's Mm. always warning signs.
1: It even goes back to Greek tragedy as well. Like Cassandra, she was the prophet that was telling people the bad things that were going to happen, but Mm. no one ever listened to her. That was her curse. She was given the blessing Mm. of being able to tell the future, but the curse of no one ever believing her. And you see that play out again and again with people like Isaac Gonzalez. They're they're the Cassandra. They're saying wow. it's gonna happen and they're completely ignored.
0: Wowzers. Wow, that made that made you sound that made you sound really smart. <gasps>
1: Thank you very much. I can, like that
0: Cassandra thing. That's like an impressive little thing to know. Look Greek
1: mythology. I will do adjust the gist on some Greek mythology at some okay. point because it's yeah. one of my favorite topics to nerd out about. That's my Titanic. Yeah. Oh, is mm. it really? Oh yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, cool.
1: Mm. Um, I can't believe we've gone this whole time and we haven't done a Boston accent once.
0: Oh, um, what is bo- Boston? Boston. Bost- Boston. Wicked hard. Wicked hard. Carpack. Wicked hard. store. Molasses. Molasses. Molass. How would they say molasses? Molasses. I I only know oh, how to say molasses. 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 Wait, that was molasses. W- wicked hard. Oh god. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, that's just where it all is. Follow us on Just The Gist Instagram, Just The Gist Podcast. Email us, justthegistpodcast at gmail.com with your suggestions. Like, subscribe, all the words.
1: Boxes ticked. Boxes ticked. Honest to God.
0: Honest to God. Ga- oh, that sounds more Minnesota. Minister-
1: yeah, I did go a little bit into that, didn't Ooh, I?
0: crap. Oh, crap.
1: We've got work to do.
0: Yeah, okay, we'll leave you. Okay, bye. (laughs) Wicked hat.
1: Bye. Listener.